Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash genre. Over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, or Kindle. That's audibletrial.com forward slash G-E-N-R-E. Weirdo Bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hey, genre junkies. It's me, Sandra. And me, Scott. Surprise! Surprise! Say surprise! Surprise! <laughs> okay, well, it's... Yeah, yeah, surprise! Big surprise! <laughs> so this is not a surprise for us, obviously, but it's a little Halloween gift for all of you. We decided we just we just couldn't end October without another episode going into November that is horror-fueled. It's to tide us over until the next Halloween. Like in Nightmare Before Christmas, only 364 days till next Halloween! <laughs> So we wanted to do another horror episode. We usually, you know, we did horror for the whole month of October, which is, you know, our tradition. But normally then we'll start going through the genres and rotating again. But we really, really wanted to put another horror episode in November because it was a really, really good October. And this one's exciting because this book was written by a friend of the show. Yes, friend of the show, internet friend of the show, uh, David Sodergren. David! So you guys might know him on social media as Paperbacks and Pugs. He has a huge following because his feed is amazing, because he's an awesome, awesome horror fan, incredibly knowledgeable about the genre, and he has this pug whose name is Boris. Boris is just about the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. It's like you go for the horror, you stay for the Boris. So we got an opportunity to review David's first horror novel, The Forgotten Island, a while back, and we decided to put it into our rotation. You know, like, we we always want to give books a fair shot, even though we like David, but we're like, no, we're going to review this for real and be fair. Um, I can't wait to talk about this book. Me neither. This book took me by surprise. Okay, so now that horror month is over, well, except for this little bonus. We we'll still have more time. Yeah. <laughs> This little bonus snack, this little bite-sized Scooby snack here, we will be going back to our regularly scheduled programming of every other week, an episode, and filtering through the genres. So this month, besides The Forgotten Island, we're going to be talking about The Altered Wake by Megan Morgan and The Select Series by Merritt Weisenberg. It's uh, two books so far in this series, Select and Select Few, which is uh, the last book came out last month. There's going to be a little surprise around those books, too. So stay tuned for that. But for now, let's close out our horror celebration with The Forgotten Island. So one thing I gotta squeeze in there is uh, there will be a little trigger warning at the top of the spoiler section. You know, we don't always like to put the trigger warnings in the first half where we're kind of keeping it really spoiler free. So sometimes we stick it into the spoiler section. So if you want to hear what that trigger warning is, um, just wait and hear just the beginning of the spoilers and we'll warn you when we're going to start talking about the plot. The Forgotten Island by David Sodergren. Anne and Rachel are on a vacation to Thailand. The estranged sisters are vastly different people and are trying to grow close again. 
The ladies are joined by Rachel's boyfriend, Paul, and soon meet up with other partying Western tourists. After overindulging at a full moon party, the sisters and the small group end up stranded on a seemingly deserted island. Sadly, they're not alone on this island. Things are watching them from the jungle. There is something ancient and sinister stalking the group. It's beyond the worst hellish nightmare any of them could imagine. So what a great combination. We have being stranded on an island. Which is good. We have a whole bunch of young people. We need cannon fodder. Uh, We have something stalking them in the woods. Yeah, just because the woods is a jungle in this case, it's still woods. This is a whole lot of horror ingredients all mixed up together to be a really exciting experience. Oh, yes. And when I say it's not something they could imagine, um, I really mean that. So for me, this was a massive page turner. I flew through this book. Um, absolutely loved reading it. I was super sad every time I had to not be reading it. I, I really enjoyed it. This is Lovecraftian horror meets Eldritch horror meets shocking gore horror, uh, which is just a delicious, like you put all those in the cauldron and you stir and you simmer for 20 minutes and you have a delicious horror stew uh, that goes down really easy. This is definitely a page turner bordering on obsession for me. For sure. Uh, It's incredibly original and has some of the most fabulous description that I can remember in a book. Uh, This is a book that I fell asleep at night, woke up from a nightmare that it had given me, (laughs) and I opened up the book and kept reading it in the middle of the night. There is no better compliment for a horror book than something like that. I mean, it should spawn nightmares. It should. Um, no, No, this was fantastic, and it is borderline on obsession, well, you know, you know when people say that a, a writer seared an image into your mind. This definitely will leave uh, a permanent scar on the on the back of my mind eyeballs. Like I want to scrub my eyes, but it's like that's not going to help because it's still going to be there when I close them. Oh yeah, and and there's definitely things in this that I knew would be very difficult for you in particular, which we'll go into a little bit more in the spoiler section. But yeah, this thank- one's rough. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, David. We'll we'll get to that. Speaking of David, uh, David Sodergren is a good writer. He is an excellent writer. This book is his debut novel. It is independently published. And if I didn't know that going into it, I would have never guessed. He's a first rate sicko. And this is from one sicko to another. Yeah, I mean, my hat's off to you, sir. Um, you made me squirm. You definitely did. This this book made me laugh. I laughed a lot. Lots of good laugh out loud moments, including some weird kind of gallows dark humor, which I, you know, love. Uh, it made me feel a lot of empathy, very emotional, and it made my skin crawl. I, I He has a great sense of place and setting. It's vivid and lush. His dialogue uh, really worked for me in this novel. It was very short, very clever, very quick-witted and clippy. I think you guys get where I'm going with this. Dude can write. It's not often that I read scenes where I get so genuinely angry at characters. Oh, yeah. And, and, it, and I don't reflect that upon the author. It's clear he wanted me to be angry. It's clear that he wanted me to hate some of these choices that were made. He's just so good at pulling those emotions out of you. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will like the um, the forgottenness element to this novel. There's something of, oh, gosh, I don't even know how to put it, almost like an urban discovery, but it's mixed with like very tribal, very ancient stuff 
mixed with the wilderness and kind of nature reclaiming. I don't know if this is kind of sounding teasingly interesting to you, then I hope you know what I mean. It's kind of a a cool vein of horror. Um, Scott Smith's The Ruins is something I can kind of, kind of compare to this book, but really there's no comparison. But it's... It's a similar vein of, like, people being where they ought not be, treading and meddling with things that is above and beyond what humans should do. And speaking of humans, some of the horror in this book is all-too-human horror. As some of the best horror is, some of the most evil things that happen in this book are from other people. Which is even more disgusting and disturbing. It's a good mix. David has a really dirty mind. Like a really horrible, dripping, bloody, disgusting mind on that's, his head. Yeah, that's why I said he's a sicko, I'm a sicko. We're, and it's a, it's a high compliment. Sicko to sicko. Yeah. I guess you're kind of becoming a sicko. I'm not. Um, <laughs> I, I deeply enjoyed this book, but it was a lot for me. It was, a lot. it was a lot. Yeah. This book is a lot. I, I This book is so good. So it's damn good. so good. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about characters, just a bit. So our, our two leading ladies are Rachel and Anna, those sisters. Uh, they're from Scotland. And they are interesting because they're both kind of tropes on the surface. Rachel seems like a vapid party girl. Anna seems like a cynical buzzkill. Um to an extent, they are both of those things, but they have a really horrid uh, shared trauma and how they dealt with it and where their relationship is now is kind of where the book picks up. I I mentioned there was like an estranged sort of thing going on. Uh, There's some really good sibling stuff. I'm really into like, you guys know I have a sister, obviously, Amanda, who's on the show a lot. Um, And I like sibling dynamic in stories. I'm a total sucker for sibling stuff. So that was another um, angle of this book that really hooked me. Yeah, a lot of their tropey elements uh, are are kind of facade-ish. I don't want to say like I, I'm not I'm not giving a spoiler or anything like that. I'm just saying no, there's a course. lot of depth underneath it. There's a lot of walls that put up and, and and David does a very good job of exploring that throughout the book without dwelling on it. Right. And both ladies are very interesting characters too. And uh there's a little bit of perspective swapping that goes on throughout the book. Mostly we're with um Anna or her perspective. But there's a little bit that bounces around that even sometimes to people who are not heroes let's say, which is always an interesting tactic for an author. I like Anna a lot. She's a really relatable character. I I like her, you know, not so great aspects to her character as well as her really kind of cool aspects. She's not... She's not some saint. She's not some um, every woman, but she's just she's just a really cool character to kind of live inside her head for most of the book. Yeah, it's uh, some characters, especially these two sisters, they are flawed in that really relatable way uh, where you're like, yeah, I, I know people like that or I can see a little bit of myself reflected in that defense mechanism. Uh, there's also what I like to call the motley crew of assorted young partiers. There's Paul, we mentioned, Rachel's boyfriend. Uh, They meet up with Ricky, who's an American. He's got two 
Trestafarians with him, um, Lillian and Josh, Americans. Then there's the Australian trio, Darren, Brett, and Lisa. And uh, Paul actually is not on the island with the little partier group, but he still plays big into the novel. They were a very interesting little crew to round out the story. I don't usually like it when when authors rely on stereotypes, uh, particularly when it comes to Californians or Americans. <laughs> yes. I I really enjoyed the way that these characters were written. I w- I was down. Maybe it's because it's a horror novel. I was I was along for the ride. It's particularly with the Californian Trustafarians. Yes, but I promise not all of us Californians are Trustafarians, nor so patronizing. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't know anyone. But I know that archetype. Oh, I know the archetype. I don't know anyone who is like those two. Thank God. But I know people who have traits of those two. And and I, I, I know the trope. And, and sometimes it bothers me. It worked for me in this book for some reason. They were comedic relief. They were anger-inducing. They were embarrassing. It was just, it was a really great touch for me. So I want to talk about our appeal score for this book. Um, not a big shocker. I I really settled on a general appeal for this novel. Definitely wider than niche, definitely. Uh, but a great book for horror fans. You know, I mentioned kind of those buzzwords, Lovecraftian, eldritch, shock and gore. There's something for a lot of different type of horror fans here, but also a lot of originality and definitely his own spin and take on things. But I think this novel will really, really work with a lot of horror fans. If you're not a horror fan, you're, <laughs> this isn't probably going to convert you into one or anything. But um, it's a good one for the fan base. I think that this does fall into niche, but I think it falls into mass appeal within the horror niche. I think anyone who's into horror should read this book. It's written by a man who knows his horror and every page is crafted as an expert dive into the genre. Um, so it's it's so fanatically for the horror niche that um, it shines as a beacon, in my opinion, for that niche. Okay, that's that's fair. I see what you mean there. I still think it's a little more open than niche. Sure. Yeah, you guys can hear what we're saying, I think, and maybe decide for yourself probably not a stocking stuffer gift for your mom who's not into (laughs) horror but if your mom is into horror you should definitely get her this book right guys we're gonna take our spoiler break come back a little trigger warning and then dive into this uh wonderful monstrosity that david has written be right back enjoying the show Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the spoiler section for The Forgotten Island. And there's a lot to unpack in this book. Uh, But first, our trigger warnings for those who are are waiting for that before deciding to pick up the book. So basically, the trigger warning we want to give is for sexual assault. There's people whose bodies are being touched in ways that they are not um, consenting to. And we just want you to know that. And if you are somewhat squeamish and not sure, there are a couple of things in it that actually affected me more than those scenes typically do. Um, So just be warned, this is kind of on that middle to higher range of that particular uh, of that particular trigger. That being said, let's get into it. 
f***ing spiders, man. Oh my god. Okay, let's talk about spi- Let's talk about spiders, David. Let's talk about spiders. Why do you have to be spiders? I'm not even afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of spiders now. Okay, so here's my relationship with spiders. We, I think we've talked about it a little bit on the show. Um, I love all animals. I love all creatures. I appreciate spiders. I have a huge respect for spiders. Uh, I, I think they're incredible creatures. But they have a tendency to find me in vulnerable moments, such as when I'm sleeping, they drop in front of my face, or in the shower, they drop in front of my face. Perhaps when I pick up a drink, there is a spider on the lip of my cup. That has happened many times to me. So it's less that I have a problem with spiders and that spiders have a problem with me. They just want to be your friend. And I mean, I even like, I try to do some rescue missions. Like, I I will try to like capture the spider and set it free outside. But I really think they're out to kill me. It's an arachnid conspiracy. And David has not helped that problem. Well, now knowing that there's like arachnid human hybrid god things. Otherworldly spider creatures. This was really frightening. The way that he described the spiders and their hairiness and their click, 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 click. I will never look at a spider again. So thank you for that. I'll be like, oh my God, don't drag me back to your elders, to your elder gods in Thailand. Stitches is going to have to kill the spiders in the house for us from now on. I, I mean, I think she was affected very strongly, too. And when she goes to uh, edit this episode, I think she'll really understand. I think we're just going to have to move. Yes, we're going to have to move <laughs> to a hermetically sealed box where the spider gods can't touch us. Um, Seriously, those spider gods were amazing. They're creepy. They're wonderful. There is enough of that cosmic mystery surrounding these beings that was wonderfully unexplained was still being explored in detail which is the most wonderful combination because it gives your imagination um nightmare fuel to just start thinking about like oh my god what are these things where did they come from is there some weird portal like and i don't even know about it and it's like in my backyard you're absolutely right he gives you more than enough to feel like you understand what's going on but your interpretation of what's going on will be completely different from my interpretation from what's going on from anybody else he 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 walks a really great line with that, that, you know, you said Eldritch Horror. I don't know why I didn't see that. I get it now, but that's where you came from. I came from more of like a, a like just like a prehistoric, like subhuman flesh eater world sort of thing. Well, because there's that moment when, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember. I think it's Anna is staring down into the like abyss essentially and she has that weird like existential crisis because she's like oh my god i don't this is not like just a hole in the earth it's this is another world oh my god and they've just been content to live on this forgotten island and turn the people that got abandoned there into their weird drone slaves um what excuse me the chapel frightening i loved that i love when you get weird religious on me i'm a sucker for that he's got a really great eye for or i guess pen for descriptions of horror the 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 human drones and they're like the way he describes their skin as being transparent like gelatin and it like squishes when you punch into it or touch it it's like that that is horrifying you can see things swimming underneath oh god and and the the, troop i'm having troop flashbacks this gave me a lot of troop flashbacks this is this is one that's going to stick with me like that 
especially towards the end when fluids really start <laughs> flying and getting in people's mouths and noses and other it's 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 really gross. It's it's yeah. it's a lot. And and I um I do love some grossness because you heard the way I was just cackling. It makes me giggle cackle like that where it's uncomfortable and it's like what? This is so parasitic and weird and just like the worst thing I can imagine happening to a person. When it's time for the gore to flow, he is unrelenting. One of my favorite things, it's kind of a mixture of gore and some other stuff, was when Lisa dropped her basket. Oh, man. When she was like, I'm the white cannibal queen. And like, <laughs> I mean, and like she's talking about like her king and her subjects. And it's like clearly her mind's weird defense mechanism for what's going on. And it was like really funny. But at the same time, it was like I wanted to cry. Does that make sense? Oh, it, it was hysterical. That is something I want to see as a short film. I mean, I want to see the whole thing as a movie, I think. But could you see that that whole scene was just such a great flipping on the head of of kind of the horror trope of someone in the know of horror going through something but totally missing the right, missing the, the point and it's so funny but at the same time you're so dreading what's going to happen to this person i was just and he drags it out he drags out lisa's last arc so much that i'm like can we just can we just kill her whatever we're gonna do because i can't handle this my anxiety cannot handle this in the best way we talk about horrible dudes. Let's please talk about horrible dudes. Every dude in this book is horrible except for Shakrit, who's amazing. Well, Shakrit is cool. Yeah, every, all the dudes in this are really bad. It is very much a, a big pile of incel ideals and selfish, self-centered bastards. Yeah, and that's not to say that every girl in this book was great. Lisa was really mean and, you know, very weird about her drugs and stuff. And uh, obviously Lillian wasn't very nice, but the dudes were pigs well you know what actually darren and brett the two australians they weren't that bad they're like this weird druggy coterie but they weren't like rapey and evil insults like the others well they didn't have a chance to they weren't in it long enough they didn't survive long enough to turn that way fair enough and that having been said though i really liked the treatment of particularly paul and ricky as these really insidious men um well and josh is pretty insidious as well because i thought it was like it got my blood boiling where i was like can some spider just come and snatch these fools because they were awful i mean i don't know i don't have a problem with these horrible men dying i thought it was uh justified (laughs) paul is the perfect example of a character who is constantly hypocritic in thought but has no idea that they are the way that he just cheats on Rachel left, right, and center, but then says, oh my God, she's probably sleeping with somebody. I'm going to kill her. I can't believe it. He's getting angry and he doesn't under, he doesn't see the, the irony in, in the, no, because he thinks he's perfect. Same thing with Ricky. He doesn't see what like a sleazy, gross individual he's being. He, they think they're so justified in their opinions and their actions. Well, Ricky in particular feels that he is owed by everyone. Well, right, because, I mean, he's been dragging Anna around with him all this time, so she the least she could do is have sex with him or have sex with his with her, quote-unquote, hotter sister, in his opinion. You're just like, ugh, I hope it's slow and painful when you go, Ricky. 
And poor Anna, I feel like she was treated like, um, you know, the woman in Love Actually who ends up, you know, getting together with with Hugh Grant at the end. And, the prime minister. Yeah. And everyone says, oh, you know, oh, everyone makes fun of her because she's so fat. She's so big. And she's like, Wait. not as pretty as the other one. And she's like, she's not any of that. What are you talking about? That's how I felt about Anna the whole time. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. And um, for me, I interpreted that as deliberate, that there's nothing wrong with Anna. She's perfectly normal looking probably pretty and an average size and weight but being with you know rachel people have always compared the two and so that's kind of like this uh you know just part of her identity now and how people see her probably a lot of it is because how she acts more withdrawn more cynical downing drinks (laughs) kind of a you know, curmudgeonly way, whereas Rachel's so flirty and so pretty and hanging all over her pretty boyfriend and, you know, just being wild. And now she's stuck in this, you know, beach bikini horror flick, basically, where, you know, everyone is size zero in bikinis on the beach getting slashed. And she's just like this normal person. Right. Although really not so normal because actually I have a question. Okay. Do you think she's nuts or do you think she hears real voices? Well, you guys know I will always choose to go with a supernatural explanation. I believe that she does have psychic abilities. And I think that's why parts of her life has been hard and why losing her mother and all of that stress has been hard. I love that it's interpretive. You can just think that she's, you know, a a really suffering sick person. I like to think that it's more psychic ability. There's definitely enough crazy supernatural stuff in this for me to buy that it is uh, psychic ability. But when she's talking to the pug in the boat at the end, I'm like, oh, she's lost her damn mind. It's like the best part of the book. (laughs) It's Um, hysterical. And the pug's talking back and it's all wonderful. Um, Should we talk about the ending? Yeah. Okay. So, well, I mean, it's a spoiler section. Uh, I love the ending. God knows I love a nihilistic or existential horror ending or sci-fi or anything, um, especially in my horror, though. And I was very satisfied. I mean, you can kind of see it coming that Rachel's been impregnated by the critters. And then it's like, no, Shagreet, why? Why, Shagreet? I love you. And he's been compromised. He's a great character. I actually, hold on, let me put a pin in that. I cannot sing the praises of Shakrit enough. I thought he was awesome. He was a good hero, but he didn't outshine the girls having their own heroic moments. He was a good hero. His basic um, drive was that he was trying to make up for not believing in his grandfather and just kind of was trying to do the right thing. But he wasn't, He did, you're right, he didn't overshadow anything that the girls had did. He was just the only one willing to be there. Yeah, and, and to help them and to make sacrifices and stuff. Really cool. Love you, Shagreet. Big shout out to Shagreet. But yeah, I mean, I was super bummed that it looked, because he got, I think he got poked and then obviously gets his head blown off, which was like, no, I scream at the book. Uh, but then Anna got her too. And it's like, I, you know, there's that moment where you're like, I think it got her. I think it got her. But it's not confirmed until the very end. It's a great end of a horror story uh, scene. Just, oh, the final girl might not actually make it at the very end. But on top of that, you also have the question, well, okay, did the spider make it, though? Right, because did she make it to the mainland? Like, or, you know, did the spiders make it? Like, it's wonderfully left open. 
But, you know, it's also kind of shines a little bit of a light on what is humanity? What is human nature? You know, we know we're specks in the universal scheme of things. Then what about this other other universe that we know nothing about of creatures and gods and magic and whatever? It's very much like, yeah, we're really nothing. And I loved it. <laughs> um, can there always be a pug, David, as the final final girl or guy in all of your books, the final pug? Can you invent the trope of the final pug? I think it's only appropriate. Yeah, and the pug was great. So now that the uh, trope of the final pug has been created, pug's name? Grub? Grub Grub the pug? Come on. What a hero. The true hero. I think think not only should a pug be in every book, maybe Grub should be in every book. Oh my gosh, and there's always Grub's perspective. He's your skink. (laughs) He's your- Okay, not everyone will get that reference, but he is your- Look it up. Google it. Grub is your skink, and I'm just going to leave it at that. That's perfect. We'll take some of the royalties from future books, too, David. That's <laughs> fine. Um, I guess we should give a score to this thing. I'm going to give this book four pugs out of five. Four and a half pugs out of five. I'm sorry we had to split a pug in twain. Very King Solomon of us. But, um... I, I mean, this was a great book. Uh, such a wonderful mishmash of different types of horror made me feel feels, made me think, made me question my place in the universe, made me question Pug's place in the universe. I loved it. It was a great book. It's a real home run. Um, David should be incredibly proud of this work. And it is a sin and a shame that every horror fan on the globe is not experiencing this. Please, please take our endorsement and check out The Forgotten Island. Man, this is a good book. It really is a good book. The only thing I struggle with in this book is some of the characters are a little shallow. David does rely on stereotypes to get some of the characters across, but being a horror book and being so true to its roots, I'm personally willing to forgive it for that. I think it works for the story of the book myself. Um, and the horror in this book, it the monsters are some of the more more original and frightening and 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 vivid descriptions of monsters I've ever read. This is one of those books. In two years, I'm gonna look over to Sandra and say, "What movie was it with this crazy monster?" And she's like, "That was a book." <laughs> That's how good these monsters are. This doesn't read as an independent novel, much less a debut debut novel. I've got to give it four pugs out of five. Yeah. It's it's fabulous. It's just really, really great. So since this book was so disturbing, I'm glad that we could leave everybody with the nice visual of just being surrounded by snarfing, you know, eight and a half pugs. Just snarfing and sniffing and, and pawing at you and wanting pets on the head. Because that's a lot more of a nicer visual than spider god humanoids coming down to impregnate the world from a cosmic um hell universe on that note i'm sorry i'm i'm cringing over here because i'm just really picturing these awful spider gods (laughs) and that half a pug by the way okay it's not a cut and half pug it's a puppy it's a puglet yeah or or maybe it's a puggle oh yeah so it's uh you know still great still good um all right everybody on that note Happy late belated Halloween. We're on our way to next Halloween already. Please keep reading past your bedtime. <laughs>